I'm, uh, my name is Lucas. For those of you visiting with us, I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel. We're so glad that you're here. We believe that we are all active participants in the preaching of God's Word. Amen? We are all active participants. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads and guides us in truth. This is not about me up here doing a talk. This is about us engaging the Word of God and allowing the Spirit of God to speak to us, to convince us of some things, to convict us of some things, to encourage us in some things, and to lift up our heads. Amen? So why don't we invite him just for a moment. Holy Spirit, would you come, would you lead, and would you guide us in truth? Lord, we are so longing to know you more. Would you remove some of the veils from our eyes, some of the distractions? Lord God, we give them to you right now. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us clarity around your word, that you would give us clarity around our week to week and how we are to live. Would you lift up our heads? Would you encourage us into some areas? Would you convict us? Would you convince us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When you think about the word patience, everybody's groaning already. Don't check out on me. When you think about the word patience, what do you think of? Uh, some of us, you might, you might think of a situation in your lives that, that was not great, but it instilled patience in you. Uh, for others of you, you might, you might think of uh, a person that comes to mind, an individual who's able to walk into tough situations where there's, there's kind of high potential for conflict and they're just kind of a calming personality. They're just a quiet, patient person that can kind of bring some, some semblance of order. Uh, tomorrow we start our general conference, which is our Pentecostal Assemblies. We're hosting it. BC's hosting it. It's in Victoria. And our superintendent, when I think of patience, I was thinking about a particular meeting a few years ago. It was about four years ago, five years ago now. It was in Saskatoon, and our general superintendent, who's from BC... Uh, Reverend David Wells, he was chairing this meeting. And during this meeting, we had on the agenda a bit of a contentious item. Who's ever been to a meeting like that? Okay? Where there were very distinct sides on a particular issue. And so men and women and different people were coming to the mics and he had the chair of this meeting where it was high stakes, the emotions were high. And it's one of these issues where either you're pretty hot on one side or you're pretty hot on the other side. Or if you didn't care, you brought popcorn to a meeting like this because it was just good entertainment. And I remember Reverend Wells he did such a great job of chairing this meeting. He had such patience for each voice that came to the microphone. He was a calming personality in a sea of opinion and strong personalities. How many know that oftentimes it's strong personalities that come to the microphone? And he had such patience, and he led us through that meeting to the best outcome that we could come to as a fellowship. While I was writing this sermon, I bumped into Chris, uh, Chris Bouget, who's serving us on sound today. 
at Starbucks, and we were kind of talking about my, my uh, I was writing my sermon at the time, and so we kind of, kind of started talking about what was going on and what I was thinking about speaking on out of James here. And he actually said this, and so our big idea, our big idea is not my big idea. It's not Chris's either. This is actually from Joyce Myers, but, but Chris reminded me of this. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. Are you ready? Patience is not just the ability to wait. Patience is not just the ability to wait, but the ability to wait with a good attitude. Patience is not just the ability to wait, but to wait with a good attitude. This is a paraphrase of something that Joyce Meyer says in her book, The Battlefield of the Mind. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into James chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5. And we are, we are slowly winding up our series in James. But if you're new with us, we've been going through the book of James uh, since the beginning of this year. And so we're going to be wrapping it up just before the summer. But we are, we're now in James chapter 5, starting verse 7. Here we go. Be Patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains? You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, the context of these verses is is speaking to seasons and times of suffering. In particular, James had just talked about how the rich, those that were lording it over the laity, the the regular Joe, there was some contention there. There were some issues there. And so this is the context in which James is bringing this. And I think James has firmly established a theme in his writing. If you can remember back to the very beginning of this series, the very beginning of this book, what does James say? He says, take joy in trials. Take joy in hard times. Take joy when you're smacking your head up against a brick wall. Take joy when circumstances are out of your control. And now James, in the context here, is saying the context is not just waiting, but it's it's waiting through seasons of suffering. It's waiting through seasons that don't feel good. And he uses as an illustration something that many of the day would have understood. He likens it to being a Middle Eastern farmer. And the reason I say Middle Eastern farmer, because things are a little bit perhaps different within the, the scope of the time there, in the seasons. It was just before the early rains when the farmer would plant their fields. Now, there's harsh conditions in the Middle East. Anybody that has visited there would know that. But they would have the early rains and they would have the later rains. And a farmer would need to plant their fields before the early rains hit. And then they would patiently wait. Really, honestly, for these farmers, it is a step of faith. It was a step of faith. They had to believe that those later rains were coming. And I'm sure some seasons, just like we have here, that faith was stretched. 
But the problem is if the farmer harvested before the later rains, his yield would be subpar. Or, or if the farmer planted after the early rains, he would have no harvest. The farmer had to be patient, had to wait in faith that those later rains were going to come, that those early rains were going to come and water his harvest and begin to see growth. How often is this the case with our journey of faith? Listen, I would argue that if we lived in a perpetual season of rain, a perpetual season of the pouring out of the Spirit of God, we would be stunted in our spiritual growth. We would be stunted in our spiritual growth. There is an early rain, there is a later rain, but then there are seasons where James entreats us in verse 8, you also be patient establish your hearts. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. There are seasons where our roots grow deep in the Word of God, where our roots grow deep in the Spirit of God, where our roots grow deep in knowing that God is faithful and in clinging to the promises of God when it feels dry and it feels barren there is growth that happens there but then it says the hope of his coming is a fuel for our patience it says Christ is coming soon but there's a responsibility that each of us carries to see this growth in our lives you also be patient. Establish your hearts, James says. So how do we establish our hearts? How do we put down deep roots in relationship with Jesus and in the hope of his soon return? It's about making a fundamental change in our understanding of life and fulfillment and relationship. If you're taking notes, write this down. Fulfillment is the result of faithfulness. Fulfillment is the result of faithfulness. Fulfillment is the outcome of an accumulation of days, weeks, months, and years of faithfulness to someone or something. I want to speak to my generation for a moment if I can. Because here's the problem, the worldly dynamic is a little different than we see as far as a biblical understanding of fulfillment. The worldly dynamic says this, fulfillment is the prerequisite of our faithfulness. In other words, I will remain faithful as long as this cause fulfills me. Or I will remain faithful as long as this person fulfills me or this relationship fulfills me or this career fulfills me. I will remain faithful as long as the Holy Spirit is pouring out on me perpetually. The problem is your fulfillment 
is based on your faithfulness, not the other way around. Friends, fulfillment in this life is the result of faithfulness. James understood this to be true. That's why he reminds us that in light of our being established, he reminds us of the coming of Jesus. He says, the coming of Jesus is at hand. There are seasons in our lives when fulfillment is not the journey. It's the destination. There are going to be seasons in your faith walk when fulfillment is not going to be part of the journey. You're not going to be feeling it. But we are reminded that the coming of Jesus is at hand. Your fulfillment at times and seasons is always going to be the destination. The soon return of Christ Jesus. It's like hiking in the Rockies. I grew up, I grew up hiking in the Rockies. My family, every single year, I don't know if there's some families like this, you go to the same place every single year. Uh, I, I grew up in Manitoba, flat farmland. A little bit of Canadian shield. It wasn't too impressive. And so we would go to Calgary and visit with my family every year. And we would go into the mountains and we would camp for two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time in the Kananaskis country. Anybody know the Kananaskis country in, in the Rockies there? And we would go hiking. And here's the thing about hiking in the Rockies. Is most of the hike, you are in the tree line. And it's hard work. Most of the hike, you are in the trees. You're not getting much of a view. It's steep inclines. It's hard work. And as a kid, I remember just some hikes were just dogs. I did not want to do. They would be like, we're going to go do Moose Mountain. I'm like, no, let's not do Moose Mountain. Because it's mostly trees the whole way. But then there comes this moment when you break out of the tree line into these beautiful mountain meadows. And you begin to see the expanse of the valleys and the ridges along the way. And then you, you summit this mountain. And you get this 360 degree view of everything. Hiking is often about the destination, not always the journey. It's the same with faith. It's often the destination that gives you fulfillment. In this life or the next, we will be with Jesus. That is our blessed hope. It's the destination. It's the outcome of our faithfulness. The fulfillment that we are so desperate to know both in this life and the next. So, so does that mean that we don't find fulfillment along the way? Of course not. We do have seasons of rain. We do have the early rain that births something, that, that waters something new and fresh in us. We do have the later rain that in the right moment, in the right season, at the right time encourages us and spurs us forward and keeps us going. We do have the mountaintop experiences. But much of this journey is in the valley. Much of this journey is in the ascent, and we need to remember the destination is worth it all. It means being patient. 
patience is not just the ability to wait, but the ability to wait with a good attitude. Verse 9, James says, do not grumble against one another. Brothers, so that you may not be judged, behold, the judge is standing at the door. How many know that impatience has a dark side and it most often affects our relationships? When we're not patient, it's not an isolated event. Oftentimes we project our impatience on others and oftentimes it's those that are closest to us. It's those that we love the most. James is digging into a simple truth that we all know to be true. And and Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of this verse, I, I think it captures it so well. It says this, friends, don't complain about each other. A far greater complaint could be lodged against you. The judge is standing just around the corner. A while back, we talked about those, you know, judging those who sin differently than us. That we so often judge with severity those that sin differently than us. And here's how this shakes out at times. We talked about this you're driving in traffic and someone cuts you off. And your immediate reaction is to say aloud or, or to think in your mind, or some of us become very proficient in ASL, American Sign Language. And we think, what a jerk. What an inconsiderate, horrible human being. Until the day we cut someone off. And then we think to ourselves, oh, I'm in a hurry. Or my kids distracted me. Or the dog jumped on my lap. Or I got a call and I took my eyes off the road for a moment. Man, we have so much grace for ourselves. Or we see that mom. We're sitting in QF up and step above looking down. Isn't that great? Anybody go there just to watch? And you see that mom with the kid. The kid's losing his mind or her mind. And the poor mom's there. But in that moment, we're like, get control of your kid. What's wrong with you? What a horrible parent. Until it happens to us. You remember when it happened to you? Remember what you thought? Oh, little Billy, he, he didn't have his nap. His sleep schedule's up. We just got back from vacation. Right? All the grace in the world. We often have all the patience in the world for ourselves, but when it comes to others, our patience wears thin. The irony is it usually wears thin the fastest with those that we are closest to. And there's a great moment here, and I don't know if you've caught it. Remember James, he reminded us of the coming of Jesus as our blessed hope. Right? He said, hey, Jesus is coming. Stick in. He's the destination. He's worth everything. You will find ultimate fulfillment when he comes and has that encounter with you. Remember? But in the same breath, now he's saying, Jesus, the righteous judge is just around the corner. In one breath, he encourages us. And in the next, he scares us. The Lord, the judge, is just around the corner. James does this for two reasons. First, he's giving us a perspective that checks our hearts, our words, and our actions. 
He reminds us that Jesus is our righteous judge. But number two, he's reminding us that he is also everybody else's righteous judge. He's reminding us that we are not the ones to have vengeance against our enemies. He's reminding us when people hurt us, we're to turn the other cheek. He's reminding us of all that the New Testament writers have told us over the time. He's reminding us of what Paul said in Romans 12, 18 to 21. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Patience is not just about waiting in circumstances where people are against you. Patience is about waiting with a good attitude, with their best outcome in mind, with blessing on our lips instead of cursing. Fulfillment is found when we submit to what God has poured out and and has taught us. Remembering that Jesus is our righteous judge can give us the patience we need to walk in a world of broken and hurting people. So James, he continues with some illustrations. Now, now these are the kind of illustrations that we hate. And and I'll give you an example of this. You're going to get this right away. Uh, Do you remember as a kid complaining about what you're having for dinner? And and, and I I remember complaining, and my mom, she would drop this one. There's not much you can do with it without, like, sounding like an absolute jerk. And she would drop, you know what, Lucas? There are people in this world that don't even have dinner right now. Right? That, like... The kind of illustration that we hate. It's that kind of illustration that kind of puts into perspective everything. We can't really argue against it. And so here James, he, he walks into one of these illustrations. Verse 10. As an example. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Matthew Henry, he summarizes James' statement like this. He says, Observe here the prophets on whom God put the greatest honor, and for whom he had the greatest favor we're most afflicted. And when we think of the best men have had the hardest usage in this world, we should hereby be reconciled to our affliction. Let let me summarize what Matthew Henry is saying. He says, the prophets were called by God and were the best of the best and their lives were one trial after another. So suck it up, buttercup. That's essentially what James is doing to us here. He's giving us the impossible illustration. 
And then James takes it a step further. He says, consider Job, the man who had everything and lost it all. All his children die. He loses all his wealth. His wife leaves him. He gets horribly sick with boils all over his body. Talk about the ultimate trump card. Here he brings up a man who suffered just about everything we fear in this life. In other words, unless you have a worse than Job, embrace your affliction. Be faithful. Because it's on the other side of faithfulness you're going to find fulfillment. And here's what I love about James writing here. He starts this conversation by talking about the early rain and the later rain. And he ends the conversation with the example of Job. For those of you who don't know, Job was a man. It's a book in the Bible. You can look it up. It's a short story. You can read it. A short historical account. But he was this man who had it all. He was wealthy. He had many kids. He had a beautiful wife. He had everything that he wanted. And he loved God. And in the early part of his life, he had it all. And then the enemy of his soul came against him with an agenda to take him away from his faithfulness towards God. And the enemy took away his kids, took away his wealth, took away his health, took away his wife until he had nothing. And yet Job remained faithful to God. And then the later rain came. Job ended his life with twice the wealth, with a vibrant family, with everything that he had before plus more. But in that moment of trial, I can guarantee you, Job was not living a fulfilled life. Anybody that would come and tell you otherwise is, usually in the city I'd say on crack. He was not living a fulfilled life in that season of his life. But what was the difference maker for Job? He remained faithful. He remained faithful. And in his faithfulness, he knew fulfillment. He knew life. Fulfillment isn't always in every step of the journey, but is guaranteed in our destination. Patience is not just the ability to wait, but the ability to wait with a good attitude. And fulfillment is the result of faithfulness. Let's bow our heads. As the worship team comes, Lord, we thank you. That, God, you didn't give us a gospel that is just one-dimensional and one-sided. 
But God, you told us the truth. You gave us the truth. You, you didn't sugarcoat this faith journey that we're on. And Lord, we thank you for the good times. We thank you, Lord, for those mountaintop experiences when you're when your favor is being poured out on our lives, when your spirit is filling us and we're having just moments of impact, that we, we thank you. We look back on our journey and we thank you for those moments that kept us going, that inspired us, that filled us up for the next leg of the journey. But Lord, we also thank you, thank you that you are with us even in the valley, that you are with us even in the hard times. You're with us in those seasons where we're not even finding real fulfillment in the journey. But Lord, we remember that the destination is our fulfillment. We remember, Lord, that being faithful is where we find fulfillment. Lord, I just pray right now for a younger generation, my generation, that you would teach us something about faithfulness in this next season of our lives. That, God, we would not buy into the lie that fulfillment is the prerequisite to our faithfulness. That everything has to feel good to be good. Holy Spirit, would you convince us of a greater truth and a greater way that when we're faithful to you, that's where we find life and life more abundant. That's where we find the mountaintops, but that's where we find deep roots in the valley. Lord, would you take us on a journey of establishing our faith, as James said. To put down deep roots. To know your promises. And we thank you, Lord, that you are always faithful. That you are always faithful to come through. That you are always faithful, Lord, to see us through. And Lord, just when we need it, you are faithful to pour out the early rain and the latter rain. We trust you with this journey of faith that we're on. In Jesus' name, amen.